Hey there, I'm Mei Ling. I'm a certified life coach and trauma-trained practitioner, and welcome to my podcast, Finding Freedom in the Hologram. Well, folks, friends, this week I am bringing to you the quotes from a futurist. Yes, a futurist. <laughs> By the name of Buckminster Fuller. Now, I'm not sure if many of you know of his name or may have heard of him. For those who have studied chemistry, I think you may have heard of him. Because I first came across Buckminster Fuller when I studied chemistry at university. There is a molecule discovered in the 1980s that is C60. So basically, carbon-60. And it has the shape of a soccer ball. Now, researchers who actually discovered this eventually won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry in 1996. And it looks like the geodesic dome, which is where it got its nickname, Buckyball. Because the guy who designed the geodesic dome is, or was, Buckminster Fuller. Now, he is really interesting. He's one of those characters that has been described as a poet, a philosopher, an inventor, and a mathematician. Kind of like Leonardo da Vinci, you know, like a man with many interests, many talents, and who looks at the world through a lens of childlike wonder, which I adore, because I think I look through the world through that kind of lens as well. Everything is fascinating in nature, and I find that we can learn so much through observation. So Buckminster Fuller was actually never formally, he, he never formally studied architecture in school, at university. But because of his curiosity, he designs, he draws, he, he experiments, you know, he's not afraid of failure. And the geodesic dome is fascinating. So it's made of 20 hexagons, 12 pentagons. It is the only kind of building that can be set on the ground as a complete structure and encloses the largest volume of interior space with the least amount of surface area. So this guy really thinks outside the box. Now, he has very fascinating quotes, and so I'm very excited to <laughs> bring them to you this week. Quote number one, You never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a model that makes the existing model obsolete. How good is that? Now, recently, my mentor, Peter Crone, who is also a famous coach, he actually went into detail talking about the five levels that we have in us. When we are at a stage in our life, we are usually in one of these five levels. So number one, from the ego to the soul. So the ego, you can either be fighting or resistance, which is very active or passive, or you can reach neutrality, which is acknowledgement that, hey, this is happening to you right now. And then from the perspective of the soul, you can be passive and active as well. So passive is embracing, allowing this. And then to be active, you are committing. You are committing to love. You are loving. So you go from being very reactive when you are at the ego, trying to fight, trying to resist, to being creative, trying to embrace and allow and to commit and to love. This is what Buckminster, I feel like Buck, what Buckminster has said in this quote, to change something, 
build a model that makes the existing model obsolete. Build a model. Be creative. Rather than fighting and resisting, the current model that you have actually acknowledge that, hey, this is the current model, but rather than fighting or resisting, I allow it and I commit to actually changing and making this model obsolete and creating a new model for myself. So that's why I feel that these two are linked. Now, quote number two, never forget that you are one of a kind. Never forget that if there weren't any need for you in all your uniqueness to be on this earth, you wouldn't be here in the first place. And never forget, no matter how overwhelming life's challenges and problems seem to be, that one person can make a difference in the world. In fact, it is always because of one person that all the changes that matter in the world come about. So be that one person. Well, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. What a beautiful quote. Quote number three. You do not belong to you. You belong to the universe. The significance of you will remain forever obscure to you. But you may assume you're fulfilling your significance if you apply yourself to converting all your experience to highest advantage to others. I love that. And I think it reinforces what I said in my previous podcast in Energy, whereby human beings are meant to collaborate. We are meant to collaborate and we are meant to support and lift others up. It's not about competition and trying to fight and win and be the only one standing. You gain so much more fulfillment when you are living a life of contribution. Quote number four. If I ran a school... I'd give the average grade to the ones who gave me all the right answers for being good parents. I'd give the top grades to those who made a lot of mistakes and told me about them and then told me what they learned from them. I really love this because I really think education, especially when kids, you know, when we are younger and precisely when our brains are so easily moldable and impressionable, it is so important to educate and train them and saying, hey, the effort that you make is equally as important. And it's not just the end result. And I love that he says, for being good parrots, for being like parrots who can just repeat back the same things to me. So I give you average grades, you know, because you can parrot back the answers to me. But I'm going to give you top grades if you make mistakes, told me about them and told me what you learned from them. This is what our education system should be like. (laughs) Quote number five. We were deliberately designed to learn only by trial and error. We are brought up, unfortunately, to think that nobody should make mistakes. Most children get de-geniused by the love and fear of their parents that they might make a mistake. But all my advances were made by mistakes You uncover what is when you get rid of what isn't. Oh, this is just so, that's very personal for me. Because my dad was very protective. So he didn't want me to get hurt. He didn't want me to experience failure. And he was scared when I said, hey, I'm interested in doing film, sound and video. (laughs) He was like, "Mm, 
I don't think I trust the world. Like, I don't think, you know, that people may realize that you are good at this. And he said, like, you're not Jewish. You're not in Hollywood. I don't think I can bear the idea of you not knowing where your next meal will come from. <laughs> but hey, you know, all my different life experiences are the reason why I'm here today on this podcast, contributing what I know and giving you value, <laughs> my clients. Now, quote number six. Search others for their virtue and yourself for your vices. Mm. Now, I'm not talking about being self-critical and self-judgmental and talking down to yourself all the time saying like, oh, I'm so stupid, you know, I'm so, oh, I can't believe I did this again. Why am I doing this? And like, you know, hitting your own head or banging your head against the wall. That is not what this is about. This is basically like, when you first meet somebody, to give them the benefit of the doubt, you know? So I have friends who gave this particular analogy. She said, when I first meet a person, I give them 100%. And then as the more I get to know them, the more I know about their character, whether they're reliable, be it a work colleague or a friend, I get to know them better. And if they do something that, you know, I don't quite like, I then minus away the percent. So they go lower and lower in percentage in my heart, in my eyes based on my interactions with them. Then there are some people who meet somebody and is like 0% immediately and that person has to earn the percentage. <laughs> so there's two ways, right? And basically this quote, search others for their virtue, basically means giving them 100% first and over time, you know, based on the behavior, then you minus away. Now, with our own vices, basically think about them as big arrows. It's a signal on where your work needs to be done in this world, in this lifetime. It's where your work is meant to be at, where you need to be aware, notice it, and then decide, is this serving me or not? And then how do I want to change it? And that's your work in this lifetime. Quote number seven. If you are in a shipwreck and all the boats are gone, a piano top buoyant enough to keep you afloat that comes along makes a fortuitous life preserver. But this is not to say that the best way to design a life preserver is in the form of a piano top. I think that we are clinging to a great many piano tops in accepting yesterday's fortuitous contrivings as constituting the only means for solving a given problem. This is very similar to another saying that I've said before. Yesterday's medicine may be today's maladaptation. So for example, when we talk about yesterday, when you're younger, if you were a kid and you were constant bullied in school, you know, actually, it's not safe to stand out. You actually do not want to be seen and heard because you know the moment you come and you enter the building, those bullies are watching out for you. So you want to be invisible, right? However, now you are grown up, you're an adult, and you want that promotion. Your nervous system is saying it is not safe to be seen and heard. Do not speak up. Do not be heard. Do not tell your boss what great ideas you have because it's not safe. Because neuroception 
is going through that past receptacle of information, your memory bank, saying like, it is not safe. Your nervous system knows that it's not safe for you and is trying to keep you safe and be protected. So that doesn't actually serve you now, but it's what your nervous system knows, which is why it is so important to do the work to reshape your nervous system so that now you have new novel experiences where your body goes, huh, it is actually safe to be seen and heard and actually this serves me now. So that is the importance of what Buckminster was saying. Quote number eight. How often I found where I should be going only by setting out for somewhere else. I love that because we all may have the best made plans, the best intentions sometimes, but I think we really should just be more exploratory, be more in a discovery mode and go like, hmm, I'm open, let's see where this leads. Rather than trying to seek, trying to plan out, trying to like go down to the very detail, hoping and anticipating a very specific thing, when actually by being open, having an exploratory attitude, you actually find, oh wow, okay, this is where I want to be. Or you actually start sending out for somewhere else, thinking like, yeah, I think I want to go here. And along the way, the people you meet, the experiences you have may change your point of view. For example, I met somebody recently and he said, Yeah, you know, I studied finance and economics and I always thought that I really wanted to be a trader. And then when he started trading for hedge funds, he was like, oh, actually, I don't really like this. I don't enjoy this. And now he's a consultant, right? But he wouldn't have known. And he actually said, I wouldn't have enjoyed consulting if I did it straight away after graduating. I only appreciated consulting by doing trading first and realizing I didn't I didn't actually like being a trader for a hedge fund. <laughs> That's when I realized and appreciated the work of consulting and I love that work now. So that is the meaning of that quote. Quote number nine. If success or failure of this planet and of human beings depended on how I am and what I do, how would I be? What would I do? Those two questions are really beautiful questions. If the success or failure of this planet and of human beings depended on how I am and what I do. So basically, are you going to be caught up in your head thinking I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not deserving? No, because it's no longer about you. It's about the planet. It's about other people. It's about your children. It's about your parents. Are you going to be caught up about like, oh, poor me, poor me, I can't do this, I can't do that? No, you don't think about that. You immediately put your body in front of the bus if you think it's going to hit your child. Like you go out on a limb. So think about how you can contribute to others and not wallow in self-pity about yourself or self-doubt. Quote number 10. One can study a caterpillar forever and never be able to predict a butterfly. Oh, I love, I can't even tell you how much I love this quote, right? One can study a caterpillar forever and never be able to predict a butterfly. You know, I think life on this earth is precious and beautiful. And sure, there's lots of horrible, ugly things that can happen. However, I do think we should try and make the most of our time here. There's another analogy, like our bodies here on earth, it's like a car rental. 
Sooner or later, we're going to have to return it. So make the most of your experiences here. I hope you found these quotes useful and interesting from futurist Bucky Fuller. And I'll see you next week. Bye.